like that. You Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize for not having a show on Monday, but in fairness, in fairness to myself, I did say there was a very good chance we were not going to have a show on Monday because of the fact that it was Easter Sunday on, yes, you guessed it, Sunday. And when do we record shows? The day before they're posted, which if we're recording, if we have a show for Monday, what does that mean? That means we record on Sunday. And with Easter Sunday being on Sunday, we could not record a show because Easter Sunday was on Sunday. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I hope I got that covered for everybody because I'm not going to explain it again. I'm not going to explain it again. This is a very serious talk show, and we are going to have some serious conversations today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Now, this has been a theme recently that we have not recorded a show on Monday. This is not going to be some new scheduling thing. This is just, right, I I mean, I should say that in, like, the permanent sense. This is not a permanent schedule thing to where, oh, we're not going to record shows on Mondays anymore. Or we're not going to have a Monday show anymore. No, 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 no. This is just how things have worked out the past couple weeks. And with the mock drafts being released, it's kind of hard to get a show out for that Monday because of the fact I worked that entire Sunday pretty much trying to get the mock draft done and ready for Monday. So I've got to get all that taken care of. And we've done a really good job on staying on top of the mock draft stuff. So we're going to keep doing that as well. we got a mock draft coming up in another week and a half. The next mock draft we will have sometime around the 24th through the 27th. Obviously, the NFL draft is taking place Sorry, on April 27th. You can catch it on 7 o'clock on April 20th. At 7 o'clock on April 27th, sorry. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a very, very fun time. we got three mock drafts out already. You can check them out on the LoganBlattmanShow.com under the blog section or scroll down on the main page to catch the most recent mock draft. And you can also catch the mock drafts on every single form of social media. So we're going to make sure we talk about that here. Make sure you follow the Logan Blattman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And, of course, you're listening to it right now, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is BlackmanLogan. With the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1, Facebook and Facebook and YouTube, you can search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. Once again, you can find all the mock draft stuff and other blog posts on all different forms of social media, and you can hear me talk about those blog posts here on the Logan Blackman Show. And the only way you know what I'm saying right now is if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So if you're not 100% sure, make sure and just double check that you are subscribed to either or either the podcast on Spotify. Jeez. You can, <laughs> you can find, make sure you subscribe on the Apple Podcast or Spotify account. Leave a rating on a five stars on both as well. I don't care if it's a five star rating. I don't care if it's a one star rating, but just as long as you leave a description down below telling me why you feel the way you do as strongly as you do, because you left a rating. So that means you feel strongly about one way, about the show one way or another. So might as well tell me down below on why you left a rating in the first place. Whether it's good or bad, I would just like to know what people are thinking about the show in general because it's just me. It's just me. I don't have a massive team behind me. I don't have a marketing team. So I would just like to know what people are thinking about the show, and I greatly appreciate if you listen to the show. And this one is fun because, like we just said, the NFL draft is coming up. And as you get closer and closer and closer to the NFL draft, whatever the date is, because, again, it's not always April 27th. It goes on other days as well. So other than April 27th, when the draft's coming up, stuff starts spewing out of the sewers a little bit. 
Like, it just comes out of nowhere. Smoke season, silly season, whatever you want to call it, that's what we are in right now. The closer you get to the draft, the more and more stories will come out about prospects, more and more stories will come out about teams saying they like or dislike prospects or they don't have them on their board or whatever. So as this time has come up, one player we have talked about quite a bit in recent you know, days, weeks, whatever, is Will Levis. Because in the NFL draft, the most, or just in the NFL and football in general, the most important position on the football field is the quarterback. On every single level of football, the quarterback position is the best. If you've got your starting quarterback, you've got everything else. You can, you can figure out everything else. You just got to make sure you get your starting quarterback. It's one of the oldest sayings in football. Like when you see these teams, like the Rams, when they went to the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, the way they were able to sign all these players to these contracts is because they got their quarterback on a rookie deal. So acing your quarterback selection in the draft is insanely important to the hopeful long-term success of the team. And then you look at like the likes of Josh Allen, you look at the likes of Patrick Mahomes, you look at the teams that drafted them, signing them before the massive contract influx started to become a thing, like more than it was back then. Like it's insane now. Like we're talking about Lamar Jackson being on the Ravens or by maybe not being on the Ravens, maybe is. We're expecting him to be on the Ravens given that they just signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year deal. So you would fully expect that there is some sort of conversation there between Eric DaCosta, Lamar Jackson, and Odell Beckham that we are all going to be in Baltimore this upcoming season. I don't think Odell Beckham, no offense to Tyler Huntley, I don't think Odell Beckham signed in Baltimore to play for Tyler Huntley. I have a really hard time believing that. I have a, it's, a, it's just an inkling that I have. An inkling that I have. And Lamar Jackson, though frustrated, though he has requested a trade, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of collusion, it feels like, going around the NFL regarding that deal. But the big reason behind that is the whole Deshaun Watson contract situation. With all the money that was guaranteed to him, Lamar Jackson, who was a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson, who has done more in the NFL than Deshaun Watson, obviously is going to want more money. And like we've talked about before, the Cleveland Browns screwing up things for everybody else in the NFL is common practice. This isn't something that's brand new that is smacked in the middle of the NFL. Like, oh my God, the Cleveland Browns are idiots again? Are idiots now? No, they've always been like that. Like you, like the past few years, like, oh, the Browns could potentially win the AFC North. Oh, the Cleveland Browns could potentially make a playoff run. Oh, this team is built for success. And then all those different things, they could change the players, they could change the coaches, doesn't matter. They are still the freaking Cleveland Browns. The new Cleveland Browns. The old Cleveland Browns, I might have faith in them, you know, riding the ship and becoming a competent team. But the Cleveland Browns that came back after the old Cleveland Browns relocated to Baltimore... Now, the new Cleveland Browns have been a shit show ever since they came back in 1999. Ever since they drafted Tim Couch first overall in the 1999 draft, with the likes of Donovan McNabb and Achilles Smith falling after that, uh, the Browns have been on a roller coaster of emotions regards to sucking complete ass. That's the best way you can describe the Cleveland Browns. The factory of sadness is what First Energy Stadium, I think that's what the stadium is called, First Energy Stadium. I think that's what it is. I, I don't care enough about the Cleveland Browns to look it up, but... Yeah, the, with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they got signed early. So when they got signed, Patrick Mahomes had the $500 million contract, like the 10-year $500 million contract or whatever it was at the time. Like, that looks like a freaking bargain when you're looking at like the likes of Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray are getting. Deshaun Watson had played football, and now he hadn't played football in a year and a half. Looked shaky coming back. Obviously, he was going to look shaky coming back. You have to sit out for football for a year and a half, and you have all the off-the-field off situation going into play. 
And they got Kyler Murray signing his contract. They have a contract clause that says he has to have study time because he doesn't study, apparently. And then that gets removed. And then now we've got a torn ACL. And now we're talking about what are the Cardinals going to do in this draft class. Out of all the teams at the top of the NFL draft right now, the Arizona Cardinals arguably have the most holes on the roster. This team is an absolute shite show. And we're going to have to see what they do with the whole DeAndre Hopkins thing because it looks like they're going to release him. It looks like they're going to release DeAndre Hopkins because they're not being smart and not taking at least some of his contract away. Now, again, this is a guy that hasn't had 1,000 yards in a few seasons, has battled some injuries, has battled some suspensions. So his trade value versus what it was when the Cardinals traded for him, which back then they stole him from Houston, like it's going to be way less than what it would be back then. He hasn't had anywhere near the same success. And again, that's a lot of a multitude of things here in Arizona. Especially last year, you're rotating different quarterbacks with Colt McCoy, with Trace McSorley, Kyler Murray every once in a while. Like You're not having a consistent quarterback. And he had that in Houston as well before Sean Watson got there. But it's just kind of a mess in Arizona. So with that being said, with the Cardinals there, the Cardinals are in talks of trading back in the first round, which is not surprising. It's not surprising at all. In Mock Draft 2.0, we had the Cardinals trading back with the Las Vegas Raiders. But the recent stories that have come out, there are six teams vying to trade up with the Arizona Cardinals to get the third overall pick. Six teams. And out of those six teams, two of them, I would think, are extremely likely, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders, and that is the Tennessee Titans. Two teams that we have had drafting quarterbacks in our recent mock drafts. So, mock draft 2.0, we had the Raiders trading up. To get Anthony Richardson, go to third overall. We had him selecting Anthony Richardson in back-to-back mock drafts. And then in the last mock draft, we did mock draft 3.0. We had the Tennessee Titans. We didn't do trades in mock draft 3.0. We had the Tennessee Titans taking Will Levis at 11. And this is where the conversation starts to go. When you have the Titans and the Raiders, and again, there's going to be other teams that are mixed in there. I've seen things like the, the Vikings will be mentioned in there by some people. You're going to have the Indianapolis Colts mentioned up there. I've seen the Seahawks trading up the three, but that doesn't make any... I I understand trading up with a division rival to a certain extent, but that's only if you're trading up to screw over another division rival. Like when the Dallas Cowboys allowed the Philadelphia Eagles to jump the Giants to take Devontae Smith, and the Cowboys in that respect... Got Micah Parsons, and the Giants ended up trading back with the Bears, and they got Kadarius Tony. He's not even on the roster anymore. So if those types of situations, I can understand. But like the Vikings trading back with the Lions and then trading back with the Packers last year to get two absolute burners to target the Vikings' weakest position, that makes no sense to me. And when you have a team trading up like Seattle, when I've seen these trades, it's been for Anthony Richardson, who the Seahawks have apparently have good meetings with, have had nice relations with Anthony Richardson in this offseason. I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Again, I can kind of make sense of you're getting a position player. I can't make sense of that if you're drafting, you're letting the team, a division rival, draft a quarterback to replace you. When your situation right now with Kyler Murray's torn ACL, your quarterback situation is not great in itself. And I don't think, that's not me saying or trying to advocate the Arizona Cardinals trying to draft a quarterback at number three. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that should happen. So don't do that. But them trading up with Seattle or allowing Seattle to trade up with them doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me from an Arizona standpoint. I understand you want picks and you have a lot of holes in your roster, but unless you're getting an absolute, like, what do you want to call it? An absolute bounty from the Seattle Seahawks. That doesn't make any sense. You're going to give them a guy that could torch you 
for multiple, multiple, multiple years. Seven, eight years, you're having a guy torture you. With the amount of holes in the Cardinals roster and their current front office situation with Steve Bidwell, you're getting you're letting a division rival take a guy that will torture you potentially. Because obviously, again, certain situations cause quarterbacks and other players to not work out in the NFL. That has happened numerous times throughout the history of the NFL. And as of right now, I think, again, the two most likely teams are the Raiders and the Titans. It doesn't sound like the Colts are really interested in trading up. I think they should. I think trading up to three, going up one spot, makes all the sense in the world for the Indianapolis Colts. But who knows if they're actually going to do it because you have a team like the Titans. Let's talk about the Titans here for a little bit. The Tennessee Titans, as we mentioned in Mock Draft 3.0, have, you know, a mess of a roster right now. Now, I shouldn't say a mess. It's just not a very fun team. I don't like the Titans. I don't like a lot of the players they have. I don't like their culture. I don't like watching them. They are one of the most anemic teams to watch in football because they have one thing and one thing only, and that is run Derrick Henry until the freaking legs, his legs fall off. Like, that is their only strategy. They have no wide receivers. I like Traylon Burks. I hope he does well. But they have no true wide receivers currently on the roster. Your quarterback is 35 years old in Ryan Tannehill. He's aging out. And when you look from the Tennessee Titans' perspective, you have the Houston Texans picking second, and by all accounts are taking a quarterback at two. That, that could be wrong because I have seen things that they're not 100% sold on a quarterback that's not Bryce Young, and what if the Panthers take Bryce Young? Then, man, here's the Texans taking Will Anderson. So there's that situation that could pop up. But even then, Davis Mills is a young quarterback. And then you got the Colts, who are more than likely going to take a quarterback at four. So you're sitting there with the Tennessee Titans at 30, with a 35-year-old quarterback at number 11 with a guy, Malik Willis, that apparently you don't believe in anymore, which would open the door to me to have Malik Willis get traded to Detroit. I think that would be awesome. Malik Willis getting traded up to Detroit would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. I would love that with every fiber of my being. The Lions liked him when they dra- were drafting last year. The whole draft process, they seemed to like Willis. They coached him up at the Senior Bowl. The coaching staff's familiar with him. He's a good kid by all accounts. So I would make that trade if I'm the Titans. And then you got the trade-up possibility. Because, again, if you're benching him for Josh Dobbs and a crucial playoff decider between the Jacksonville Jaguars, you, you just cut your losses. It's a similar thing to what we said to the Jets. Just cut your losses. You don't like him, whatever. You lost faith in him, which we knew he was raw coming in. And you have, again, an extremely anemic offense that is not suited for development. You saw that with Traylon Burks last year, who again looked good in spurts, but for the most part, failed to uh, flatter to deceive, I guess. And then you have the whole A.J. Brown trade. That didn't work out at all, especially with A.J. Brown being a main cog in the Eagles Super Bowl run, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So trade Malik Willis to the Detroit Lions. Again, I think that'd be cool for Malik Willis to go to the Lions. He could sit behind Jared Goff. Whatever. But when you look at the Tennessee Titans trading up to three, potentially, because then you're jumping the Colts. And that's a giant double bird to the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to take a guy you could potentially want at number four. Like, this happens all the time in football. This is like, the the one that always pops in my head is the Chicago Bears in the 2017 NFL Draft. The San Francisco 49ers are on the phone with the Bears. Hey, there's teams trying to trade up to number two to draft a quarterback. And the Bears... The 49ers, you know, swindled the Bears. Bears trade up, drafted Trubisky. When Ryan Pace said he told Mahomes he was his guy, John Fox thought Jamal Adams was his guy, and they ended up trading up to draft Mitch Trubisky because the Cleveland Browns had two first-round picks, remember, and they were also heavily linked with Trubisky because I don't know if you remember this. 
The number one pick in that draft was between Miles Garrett and Mitch Trubisky. Like, it was like 90% Miles Garrett. I'm not saying it was 50-50, but, and it turned out being 100%. But that was something that was talked about. So I know a lot of re- people want to rewrite history and make it seem like Trubisky was the shit-ass quarterback coming out of college. No, the dude was good at North Carolina. It's just... Sucks that he has hindsight, and Patrick Mahomes has won two Super Bowls, two MVPs, and done all that stuff. Like, that doesn't really help him. But if we can rewrite history, then yeah, I'm sure Bears fans would love to have Patrick Mahomes. Hell, I'm sure the Browns would love to have Patrick Mahomes over Miles Garrett. Granted, how good Miles Garrett's been, I'm sure they would love to have Patrick Mahomes. Instead of trading back into the second round and drafting freaking Deshaun Kaiser, I'm pretty sure they would like to go back in time and redo that. Especially when you look at... The fact they got Deshaun Watson, the pick that was used to draft Deshaun Watson by the Texans, was originally their pick. So this is, again, the Cleveland Browns screwing up everything else. And the Cleveland Browns could have just drafted Deshaun Watson at 12. But they traded back with the Texans, who took Deshaun at 12, and they took Deshaun Kaiser in the second round and proceeded to go 0-16. And then proceeded to draft Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Again, in hindsight, that's fun. Like, in hindsight, of course you should have drafted Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield, you idiots. I saw a thing today. On Instagram, I posted on my story because I thought it was hilarious. Of all the people that are coming out at the 2018 draft, talking about how bad of a pick the Bills were, how stupid the Bills were for drafting Josh Allen. Stats are for losers. Remember that whole thing Mel Kuyper started? Stats are for losers. There was the thing, losers, winners of the draft. Anybody not named the Bills. That's what I posted on my story. Like, in hindsight's fun. Hindsight's fun. Back then you could go like, well, yeah, I said the Bills should draft Josh Allen. I said Josh Allen should be the number one overall pick in the draft. Like you can see the potential there, but it was not gonna. It was gonna be hard to realize that for some people out there. And I defended Josh Allen on Twitter when the Bills drafted him. You can go on the LoganBlymanShow.com or not LoganBlymanShow.com. The Logan Blyman Show's original Twitter account that I have not tweeted from in years and don't have the login information anymore. You can go on that Twitter account and see me talking about Josh Allen on that draft. You could see me talking about him post pick. Before the pick, whatever, I never bashed Josh Allen. Never have. Never have. Even when everybody was bashing him on social media, it was the cool thing to do. Yours truly never did. And I have the receipts to prove it. You can go on Twitter. I defended his ass on draft day. But with the the Cardinals are going to sit there at three and call the Colts say, Hey, Colts, Ballard, Ursay, whoever they want to call. The Titans are trying to trade up to three. The Colts can either call their call their bluff or they can trade up. Because in this situation, with the amount of holes the Cardinals have and how many picks they could get from a team training up from 11 to 3, which is one pick sooner than when the Niners traded up from 12 to 3 to select Trey Lance, I would do I would I wouldn't risk calling the bluff on that. I think that trade would actually take place. Now, if the Cardinals want to guarantee they get one of the guys they're looking for, which it seems like the two guys atop their list are Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech and Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Those seem like the top two guys for them. They're more likely to get those two guys or one of those two guys at pick seven rather than eleven. But they, they again, they have a they have a lot of holes. They have a lot of freaking holes in the roster. So that'll be interesting. And then when you look at the possible quarterbacks they take at three, like we're all assuming in whatever order it's going to be Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, one two. That's what it seems like. That's what it feels like. That's what's going to happen. I don't know the exact order because, again, if we're talking about comparing the two quarterbacks, I've said this forever, Bryce Young is better than C.J. Stroud. 
I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft class. I've said that a hundred freaking times in this show. You can go back and listen to the pre, the midseason stuff, preseason stuff. It doesn't matter. Bryce Young's always been our number one guy, despite his size and everything. And it seems like right now, anyways, the Panthers are leaning towards Bryce Young at this point in time, which is funny to think about because a couple weeks ago we were talking about that Stroud and Richardson seem like top two picks for the Panthers. Now we're back to Bryce Young being the top pick in the draft, which is just opening the door for Will Levis to be the number one overall pick in the draft. And that's where the Levis conversation comes into play because this is a guy that, by all accounts, we're talking about smokescreen season and silly season all that. Will Levis has been kind of at the forefront of all of that for in regards to the top four quarterbacks in the draft. And we'll put top five because I'm sure some people have Hennon Hooker in the top five somewhere or top four somewhere. So we'll go top five quarterbacks in the draft. There seems like there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Who the hell knows if that's actually going to happen? But Levis feels like he's the most polarizing prospect out of these lot. And I've said Anthony Richardson is because of the fact you look at his college stats, the, the, the throwing stats, I should say, they're not there versus the likes of Stroud, Young, and even Hennon Hooker. But you can see the tools there, and he's younger. He's 21. So that's, and I think he has the highest ceiling. He has the lowest floor, but I think he has the highest ceiling. So that's why I think he'd be the most polarizing prospect. But Levis, his stuff is not even just what happened on the field. A lot of it's going in from what's been said during the offseason. The fact that he skipped the Senior Bowl. The fact that he skipped the Shrine Bowl. The fact that he didn't look great at the Combine. The fact that he went into the interviews being all weird talking about, I'm going to show off my cannon. Literally said that at the Combine and then proceeded to look worse on deep throws than Stetson Bennett. That doesn't really sit well with a lot of people in the NFL. And apparently, again, I don't know if this is true because, again, we are in silly season, smoke screen season, whatever. People are going to try and build up players and destroy players in the same thing, same breath. Tower, that's the, the reality in which the NFL draft is. It's real reality television, not like the Kardashians. This is real freaking life. <laughs> and there's people talking about, oh, a lot of excuses going into the fact that he couldn't beat out freaking Sean Clifford. Remember, though, Sean Clifford, a couple years ago, when Iowa beat Penn State, the only reason Iowa beat Penn State is because Sean Clifford wasn't in. The ele- the immortal Sean Clifford, who was sitting in front of Will Levis, who's now a possible top 10, top 15 pick in the draft. No one knows where the hell he's going. Because on the football field at, t- at Kentucky, there were moments that were like, wow, that was really cool. But the rushing numbers weren't really there as opposed to the season before. But again, we defended Will Levis quite a bit this past season. You have a new offensive staff. You have an offense that's dead with all new weapons, a whole new offensive line. Chris Rodriguez is suspended for the first four games of the year. And they keep running the same thing. They're basically ramming their head into the wall over and over and over again. And just surprisingly, it didn't work. When you look at the likes of Stroud, Young, Richardson, even Hendon Hooker, their offenses were all predicated to their strengths. Will Levis's was not. By far, it's not even close to what Will Levis's strengths are. Kentucky did not run that. This is what the problem is with, like, like Iowa. Like, you could put in the most exciting quarterback of all time. They'd still run the same offense. That's what Kentucky did. But the problem was it worked the season prior because they had players surrounding Levis that could accommodate that style of offense. This version of Kentucky's offense did not. They were the one of the, I, I don't know if they were the, 
but they were one of the slowest-paced teams in college football, as opposed to Tennessee, who was the fastest-paced team in college football. So when you look at that Kentucky-Tennessee matchup, that was a walk in the freaking park for Tennessee. They were so fast-paced. The only team that could really figure them out, per se, was Georgia, because Georgia's an elite defensive team with elite defenders all over their freaking roster. You look at Alabama, they struggled to do that. They scored 50-something points on Alabama. Jalen Hyatt went off in that game. How fast-paced Tennessee's offense was, was to the strength of Hendon Hooker. You look at Florida's offense, allowing Richardson to run outside the pocket and not forcing him to be a pocket passer. That was his strength, was the running part of it. He's raw as hell, but you could see the throws he made during certain portions of the season that make you go, wow, in both, I'll be fair, in both good ways and bad ways. I would lean with some of the more impressive throws would outweigh the fact that some of the accuracy is waning because he's trying to throw the ball so freaking hard. But, yeah, and then you look at Stroud and Young. Same thing. Bryce Young, if he doesn't play uh, 10 toes down every single game, Alabama was not winning a lot of games this year. You saw the game against Texas A&M. We bring this game up a lot. But Bryce Young's not in there. They almost lose to Texas A&M. Probably should have lost to Texas A&M because he got hurt against Arkansas. He comes back against Tennessee, and they basically, hey, Bryce, you know your shoulder that just got fixed? Or is just slightly healed? I'm not even sure it was 100% healed. We're going to make you throw the ball 100 freaking times against Tennessee because that's the only way we could keep up with this team. And they did. They missed a field goal and had chances. But, man, that's what I'll say about Will Levis. But when I see things on Twitter, like today, they're talking about how Will Levis is the best. Where is this tweet? Because I screenshotted it earlier, but it's not. I For some reason, as it loaded up on my computer. Uh, is it NFL Rookie Watch? I, I like NFL Rookie Watch. Again, I don't know if this stuff that they're tweeting is like 100% real when it comes to like sources and stuff. But it, it, it is a good staple for the initial portion of it. Where was the Will Levis stuff? Because I saw something. I might have the wrong Twitter account. Oh, who? Oh, is this it? No, it wasn't that. Where is this Will Levis tweet? Because I'm trying to remember who posted it. So it was talking about Will Levis is the best quarterback in the draft. They think he has the highest ceiling in the draft, but I want to find the exact tweet. Is this it? Oh, yeah. Okay, it was NFL. Um, I don't. Again, I don't know how true this one is. ML football, they're verified, but who the hell, what does that mean anymore? Uh, update, Kentucky superstar quarterback Will Levis has top 30 visits with the Tennessee Titans today. Plans to have visits with the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sources say, NFL GMs, on Will Levis. I don't know. NFL, it says general managers. I would love to see who these – they're never going to say it, but like it looks like one specific quote. I don't think multiple NFL GMs have said this, but maybe they have. Maybe they have. Uh, quote, Levis is the most talented quarterback of this class and has the talent to be a 10-time All-Pro and MVP caliber player. He will make a strong push to be a top-five selection. The comp teams have given Levis and his arm are Pro Bowl quarterbacks Josh Allen and Matt Stafford. Yeah, I mean, I I have really no problem with Will Levis. I think Will Levis will be a fine quarterback. I really don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to turn out that bad. I think they have the athletic ceilings or athletic abilities to cope in today's NFL. I think they could do it. For as much as we've talked about C.J. Stroud not running that much, C.J. Stroud is a good athlete. It's not that C.J. Stroud's not a bad, not a good athlete. It's just that he doesn't choose to be. And I saw a comparison with C.J. Stroud on Twitter, 
and it said Joe Burrow. That's the same quarterback we said. The only difference is I think Burrow is more cool in regards to standing in the pocket, not looking as flustered than C.J. Stroud is. But both can run. Both are very capable runners. Both don't choose to run as much as they probably could. And you see some big runs C.J. Stroud made, like against Northwestern. He had to, he was forced to run the ball with the hurricane-forced winds in, at Northwestern. And you saw him make up some big-time gains against uh, Georgia in the National Championship semifinal. Like, you saw him pick up big games. I like these guys. I like C.J. Stroud. I like Bryce Young. I like Anthony Richardson. I like Will Levis. I like Anth- I like Hennon Hooker. And you look at Joe Burrow here. I didn't. This guy also made this comparison. I didn't include weapons here, but both had a lot of first round talent. But Burrow has adjusted quick, even with a bad O line. I think Stroud could have the same effect for the hashtag Panthers. Now again, this is a whole different thing about. Oh, it could be Bryce Young be the number one pick. Apparently, Frank Reich. His choice for number one overall pick is Anthony Richardson. So we'll see what the whole thing goes there. Apparently, again, we can go back to the season. We talk about Will Levis being the number one overall pick in the draft. So that wouldn't surprise me that much either. And when I read that tweet that says he has a chance to go in the top five or has a strong push to make it in the top five, I don't thrill. That's the thing. I have no freaking idea anymore. I've said that. I said this last week. I'm going to continue to say it this week. On most accounts, I feel like Will Levis will be a top five pick. Hell, I'm almost confident enough to say that the top four quarterbacks will go within the first four picks. That's what I kind of feel like. And I know we had Will Levis going 11th last time because I think that's also a real possibility. I think we're going to have three guaranteed in the first four picks. It's just a matter of if the Cardinals actually do trade up or allow a team to trade up. And if they trade back with the Colts, Does a team trade up to number four to get a quarterback? That's going to be the big thing here. And in regards to, do I think Levis is the most talented QB of this class? No, I don't think he's the most talented guy. Again, I think it's Anthony Richardson. I've said that a thousand times. I've been a big uh, advocate for Anthony Richardson dating back to the middle of the college football season, beginning of the college football season even. I've always been a big fan of Anthony Richardson. I like Levis. I got to keep saying that because I might say something bad and then someone goes, oh, you don't like Will Levis. You're preying on his downfall. I will never prey on a quarterback's downfall ever. I will never do that. I know I've made fun of Zach Wilson and say the Jets should cut their losses with Zach Wilson. I think that's true. That's not necessarily me being a hater. That's called me using my eyes and brain and intuition and saying, hey, Lamar Jackson is a little bit better than Zach Wilson. I would just send the picks to Baltimore and get yourself Lamar Jackson. And then that would open up a whole other can of fish of, well, what happens to Odell Beckham Jr.? Does he still want to be in Baltimore? What the hell is going to happen here? Do the Jets trade up to take a quarterback? Or or what are the or – obviously not. Do the Ra- I meant the Ravens. Do the Ravens trade up to take a quarterback? We'll have to wait and see. And Levis also had a quote recently that said, I want to be the greatest of all time. Hell, if someone didn't say that, I would have a little bit of a problem with that. Every single player that plays the NFL – that does anything professionally, wants to be the best at their profession. Sorry, I lost my ADD lug nut thing. But you want to be the best, and you want to be the greatest at what you want to, what you do. Now, I hope he doesn't do a stupid quote like Josh Rosen and go down the pathway of, if Brady has six rings, I'm going to win seven, and so on and so forth. Or there are nine mistakes taken in front of me. I don't want him to go down that route. I don't want him to go down that route. But I'm fine with him saying I want to be the greatest of all time. Because, yeah, that should be your mentality. That really should be your mentality. But if the team like the Titans or Raiders trades up, would it be for Richardson or Levis? 
if I'm sitting here right now, which I am, I would say the trade-up would be for Anthony Richardson. That's what my mindset would be. I think the top two guys, Stroud and Young, will go in whatever order they do in the top two picks. Even though there's some reports that they could go Will Anderson at number two, I would lean towards those two going number one and two. In regards to Levis and Richardson, I would lean towards Richardson than Levis. That's how I'm seeing it now. But again, it's only April 11th. The show's going out April 12th. It's only April 11th. We have a few days until the NFL draft. We are two weeks away from the NFL draft. And there's going to be a lot of different things that go around in regards to the draft. And more and more rumors are swirl around. And one rumor that's kind of been picking up steam recently, it's kind of been, I I don't want to say consistent theme with this draft, but it's been talked about a couple times. And that's regards to teams not necessarily falling 100% in love with this receiver class. I think this receiver class is fine. I like this receiver class. Does it have the star power of the past however many drafts? No. There's no Jamar Chase. There's no Justin Jefferson. There's no Jerry Judy. There's no CeeDee Lamb or or Jalen Waddell or any of these guys. There's no wide receiver going to the top 10. If Jackson Smith the Jigba didn't have a nagging hamstring injury, then we might have a little bit of a different conversation here. But as of right now, I would very I would be very confident in saying that there's not going to be a receiver taken in the top 10. I've never really thought there was going to be a receiver taking in the top 10 since this whole draft offseason thing started. I think we had, who was it? Was it Jack, well, Quentin Johnston in one of our surprise drafts? But I don't even, I'm not even confident of him going in the first round. Like, I'm sitting here looking at the top receivers in this draft class, and the recent reports are that there are, there's one quarterback or one receiver going in the first round. Or I shouldn't say one receiver going in the first round, but there's one receiver that teams view as the number one receiver, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I think he'll go in the first round. I don't really think there's a question on Jackson Smith and Jigba going in the first round because his peak, though it was in 2021, is a lot better than every single receiver in this draft. And this is him with Garrett Wilson, with Chris Olave. And I know some people out there will go, well, Logan... You look at what Juju Smith-Schuster did with uh, Antonio Brown. You look at what Alvin Harper did with um, Michael Irvin. Like, when they left the the nest, per se, well, they didn't have that stud number one receiver next to them, they weren't viewed the same. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster, his career high in receiving yards, what was that exactly? It was really good. He had 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns in 2018. Second year in the league, 1,400 yards. A lot of that... A lot of that can go down to the fact Antonio Brown was standing across from him. And Antonio Brown himself still had 1,200 yards, damn near 1,300 yards, and had 15 touchdowns with the league. That was the year before he was uh, traded to the Bills, and then not traded to the Bills, and then traded to the Raiders, and then not on the Raiders, and then went to the Patriots, and then not on the Patriots, then called out his owner for... uh, for doing the same things he did, which is always a pretty cool thing to do. When you're innocent, you try to blast blame on everybody else. So, yeah, it's it's always fun in doing that. It's always fun to do that. But Juju needed that. Like, since then, Juju Smith-Schuster's not even sniffed 1,000 yards, let alone 1,400 yards. He got 933 this past season with three touchdowns. 933. That is 67 yards away from 1,000. That's a whole other game that he has to get 1,000 yards. And that's not even, like, we're not even 100% sure about that if he's getting 1,000 yards that game. In his time in Pittsburgh, 
His high after his second year in the league was 831 yards with nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns is very impressive. That was a career high in touchdowns. But not having Antonio Brown there really put a lot of attention on him, and he wasn't built for that. And that's what people could say about Jack Smith and Jigba. I think Smith and Jigba is better than Smith-Schuster. If we're going off the hyphenated names tier ranking, I would put Smith and Jigba above Juju Smith-Schuster in regards to potential. Like, if he didn't have a hamstring injury, there'd be no doubt in my mind he'd be a top 10 pick in this draft. Or not top 10, top 15. We'd have serious conversations about him being a top 10 pick in this draft, though. Because so you could say that because his whole season he dominated, but then the Rose Bowl without Alave, without Wilson, he still put up a shit ton of yards and proceeded to get 1,500 yards in a season. Like, the dude's got it. The dude's a baller. And I think should be considered the number one wide receiver in this draft class. But I can understand where people are hesitant in that with the injury, with the fact all of his catches, apart from eight when he had his 1,500-yard season, were outside of the slot. I can understand where that be a little bit of a, a red flag, I guess you could say. But do I think there's going to be one receiver, or is there one receiver worthy of being drafted in the first round, like all these reports are saying, that teams think there's one receiver worthy in the first round? I No, I don't. I think that Zay Flowers from Boston College, definitely deserves to be a first-round draft pick. Jordan Addison, same thing. The problem is with Jordan Addison, he didn't test well. He didn't test well. So that'll be an issue with him, so we'll see where that places him. I think the top two receivers in the draft are JSN and Zay Flowers. In whatever order you want. And when you look at Zay Flowers, his numbers are impressive because he played at Boston College, which, despite even being Boston College, for how shit they are, they're a run-first team, and he still managed to put up really good numbers with a quarterback carousel out the ass, whatever. And though he's notor- like more of a slot guy, he has played more on the outside than Jack Smith the Jigba has. He might not be as big, about 5'10", about 175, and again, primarily a slot guy, but can play outside. That's where the skill, you can think you can build more with Zay Flowers than Jack Smith the Jigba. I would understand where people would say that. Because of that ability to play outside. We've seen him do it on the outside. He can break tackles. Like, there's a lot of things to like with Zay Flowers. And for Jordan Addison, this is a Blitnikoff winner two years ago with Kenny Pickett. So I can see the reality where the Pittsburgh Steelers take him with that first pick in the second round. I think there's a really real possibility that happens if he does manage to slip out of the first round. But when you look at the first round of the draft, I just find it hard to sit here and go, there is going to be only one or two teams that take receivers in the first round. Because there are so many teams that could take receivers in the first round. If you're looking at the first round of the draft, teams that could take the first round receivers realistically outside of the top 10, you're looking at the Titans, could take a receiver. They're going to probably take a quarterback if the trade-up happens, but receivers definitely in play for them. We just talked about they don't really have that number one guy since trading A.J. Brown. They're hoping Traylon Burks is that, but we haven't seen him stay healthy. For the Texans, they could do that. They have no receivers. They traded uh, Brandon Cooks to the Dallas Cowboys. They brought in Robert Woods. They have Noah Brown there. That's about it. And if they draft C.J. Stroud, would they want to implement the same strategy strategy the Bengals have and draft a guy that he played with in college? You get the last real time those two spent together in college. They had a bunch of yards against Utah and won the Rose Bowl. The same thing with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. They won a national championship the last time they played together. So if you want to bring that connection back and you see the success it's brought to the Bengals, who have been to an AFC championship, two AFC championship games, and a Super Bowl, that'd be pretty pretty impressive to do, especially beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead to go to said Super Bowl. 
If you want to implement that, fine. But with D'Amico Ryan's coming in, obviously edge rusher's going to be a thing here too. So edge rusher will be a possibility. Patriots at 14. Zay Flowers is going to be linked a lot to the Patriots. They worked a lot with him in the offseason. They were on his team. They were, he was on their team in the Shrine Bowl. He's had good offseason practice. They need receiver help. They brought in the aforementioned Juju Smith-Schuster, but they're going to need other options here. They brought in Bill O'Brien, so that's what we talked about. Like Remember last week, we talked about them possibly trading Mac Jones, then bringing Bill O'Brien in, which I completely forgot about. That makes it seem a little less likely that they would trade Mac Jones. Bringing in his college coach, his college offensive coordinator, I think they're keeping him. But the Patriots, though they could go wide receiver, corner's an option, tackle's an option. Like, there's other options for the New England. Edge rusher's an option. There's other positions here that the Patriots do. But receiver could be interesting. The Packers. Do the Packers end their streak of not drafting a receiver in the first round? But again, they could go tackle. They could go edge rusher. They could go safety. They could go tight end. Like they could go a dun- bunch of different directions as well. Then you keep scrolling. The pay- the Steelers. We talked about them. We're getting freaking Jordan Addison. They got Deontay Johnson. They got Kenny or George Pickens. They got a young quarterback in Kenny Pickett. But I think you got off the line. You got corner issues. So again, other issues there. Keep scrolling. The Seahawks. You got aging receiver and Tyler Lockett. You don't have a true number three option. So maybe you look to add a receiver there. The Chargers, the Ravens, the Vikings, the Giants, the Cowboys, though they trade for Brandon Cooks, the Bills. And then keep scrolling down a little bit further, and they got the Chiefs there. Like there are teams in the first round that could draft a wide receiver that need wide receiver help, but would you necessarily say that's the number one need? If I was looking at some of these teams, so the Titans, wide receiver the number one need? No. Texans, number one, apart from quarterback? No. You would look at, at, well, it's one of them. One of them, definitely. So it depends on if you you draft a quarterback. You want to bring in the guy that played with C.J. Stroud. I think that makes a bunch of sense. So I might do that. So you could argue the Texans' number one need outside of quarterback is receiver. But again, Ed is going to be big. Patriots, is that their number one need? I don't know. You have a team like Bill Belichick. You have a coach in Bill Belichick who's apparently, quote, on the hot seat. He's going to want to build a team around his defense like he always has in the past. But you have a quarterback like Mac Jones. You brought in Bill O'Brien. You signed Juju Smith-Schuster. You have other needs to go after. But if you want to truly get behind your quarterback, whoever the hell that is, receiver would make sense here. So I could really see a world where Jackson Smith the Jigba goes 12 and Zay Flowers goes 14. I wouldn't be necessarily surprised by that. Packers, for a lot of people, yeah. A lot of people, yeah. Because you got... Christian Gonzalez, or Christian Gonzalez, Christian Watson, and you got Romeo Dobbs. Other than that, that's it. Alan Lazard went to uh, New Jersey with the Jets. Randall Cobb, I don't know where he's at, but then you lost the likes of Robert Tanyan, went to Chicago. So again, a pass catcher for your new quarterback seems likely as well. Then you look at the Steelers. No, that's not the number one need. Off the tackle's the number one need. So that, that one kind of nips that for the first round. Seahawks, I don't think so. I think it'd be a nice luxury piece to add a receiver here, but defensive line is going to be the number one priority. Whether that's getting edge rushers or interior help, they need to help with their defensive line. Corner could also be an option here. And they got tar- it's, uh, second secondary pieces. Not necessarily corner, secondary pieces. Because Kobe Bryant, not that one, and Tarek Woolen were very nice pickups last year. Chargers, is receiver their number one need? It depends on what happens with Austin Eckler. If Austin Eckler stays and doesn't feel like he's been spat in the face... 
then maybe. But if he leaves, then running back's probably your number one option. Ravens, with Odell Beckham, does that make it a little bit harder to decide if receivers are number one need? Possibly. But if they're if it's not their number one need, it's 1A or 1B with corner. So I would say, say it's definitely up there. Vikings, no. I would put corners the number one need. But losing Adam Thielen, do you believe in K.J. Osborne to be that number two option next to Justin Jefferson? Who knows? But I would say corners the number one need. Giants, I would say yes. I would lean towards yes for the Giants. But again, corners going to be an option. Interior off to line is going to be an option. Talk about Gates going to oh crap. Where did we say he went this offseason? Washington. He lost him. Big loss there. So having an interior lineman here, Joe Tipman, Brian Dable, and Joe Shane came from the Bills who had Mitch Morse. Again, we've talked about this before. Shane being a bigger center, six foot six. That's what Morse is. Have a nice feel there. And corner again, another option there. Uh, Cowboys, I would lean tight end more than receiver. I think Brandon Cooks definitely softened that a little bit. For the Bills, it's one of them. Like, if you're looking just at the roster, the number one needs probably linebacker, but I don't necessarily want them to just go. I've said this before. They've, it seems they have pigeonholed themselves into a spot where they're going to draft a linebacker. They do this all the freaking time, do it all the time. But if they want to be, if they look at what worked for the Bengals, a team that just shat on them, caught them with their pants down in their own backyard having that many weapons around their quarterback works out very well. And if you want Josh Allen to take less hits, you either get him an off the line, get him a running game, or get him more weapons on the outside. And we know damn well they're not going to draft a running back in the first round. So it's between O-line and receiver. And I would def- I think they lean towards receiver. And there's recent uh, smoke that says the Bills are going to trade up for an offensive weapon. Who the hell knows if that's true? The Bills like to move around. They traded up for... Kyrie Elam last year, traded up for Josh Allen. They traded up for Tremaine Edmonds. Like, they are not afraid of moving around the draft board. So, I wouldn't be surprised that happened. But if you're looking at their biggest need, it's probably middle linebacker. But receiver is definitely right there. Odds line is definitely right there. But you were looking at just natural holes to fill. Not having a Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of your defense does hurt because Bernard Dobson do not. Are they going to be here? Do you have 100% faith in them going forward? Who the hell knows? And then the Chiefs. Is that their biggest need? They proved last year no. They know. They don't really. The thing the Chiefs do better than a lot of teams in the NFL, and it's a copycat league, so I would like to see the Bills, you know, copy some of the things the Chiefs do, is, you know, they didn't overreact when Tyreek Hill got traded. When Tyreek Hill wanted out, they didn't overreact. They didn't go out, okay, we need to draft a receiver in the first round. What'd they do? They strengthened their areas that they really need to strengthen more, which was corner, which was defensive line. They got George Kalaftis and Trent McDuffie. You drafted some other key players in the secondary last year as well that made big plays for you on your route, in route to a Super Bowl victory. Then you drafted Sky Moore in the second round. You traded for Kadarius Toney. You signed Juju Smith-Schuster. You signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like you made all these different moves. And it ended up working out. They didn't overreact to go, okay, we just need to get a 1,000 wide receivers to try and replace the output that Tyreek Hill had. The thing is, you got Travis Kelsey. You got Travis Kelsey. You got a top two tight end in the NFL. Like, you've, if not number one, depending on who you ask. I'll, I'll be biased here and say George Kittle. But there's no. I'm not really going to sit here and go like, oh, he's definitely the number one tight end in the NFL. No, uh, you can make a very, very good case. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the NFL. 
But no, I don't think the Chiefs' number one need is that. I would say off the line is probably their biggest need, an edge rusher. You let Frank Clark go. You let Carlos Dunlap go. You let Andrew Wiley go to the Washington Commanders. You let Orlando Brown go to the Bengals. You've got holes there. You did sign Jawan Taylor. They do like Lucas Niang, so maybe off the line is not the biggest need. But I could definitely see them going that direction. But again, I think edge rusher would be their number one there. So if you're looking at the first round of teams that need wide receivers, and we're going like, if it's one air of one of them, like one of the top needs, like the Texans, the Patriots, then you've got the freaking uh, uh, Chargers, 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 do I potentially, I'd say tight end's a bigger need than wide receiver. So no, <coughs> the Ravens, then you got the Giants, you know, we'll include the Bills in there. So you got five teams where arguably the top need in their draft is wide receiver. So that's where I have a hard time envisioning that only one or two receivers are going to go in the first round. Because I have a hard time envisioning some of these teams passing on receivers. Like, depending on who's available, like if Zay Flowers is available at 27 or 28, again, depending on how you look at it, I have a hard time envisioning the Bills passing on Zay Flowers. I have a hard time envisioning Zay Flowers falling anywhere near the Bills, let alone falling past the Bills. So it's a very interesting situation we've got here with wide receivers. But again, the similar-ish situation that happened in the 2019 draft. Only one wide receiver got drafted in the first round, that's Marquise Brown. And that's the same draft that had the likes of A.J. Brown, that had D.K. Metcalf, I'm pretty sure Terry McLaurin was in that draft as well. And only one wide receiver went in the first round. So it's not like out of the ordinary for receivers not to go in the first round, but it'd be weird. It'd be really weird. So you look at, like, if they're not drafted receivers, the Texans are probably drafting an edge rusher. Off to tackle might be a thing, but they just re-signed Laramie Tunsil. You got the Patriots, corner, tackle, again there. Steelers, tackle. Chargers, tight end. You got the, the Ravens, corner. Vikings, corner. Giants, corner, off to lineman. Cowboys, tight end. Possible off to lineman, possible defensive lineman as well. Uh, corner piece there as well. I don't know if I said corner or not. Uh, Bills, linebacker. Is a big need there. Offensive line's a big need there. And then you got the Chiefs, edge rusher. So, like, there's other things these teams could do, but it's just so hard to envision, like, the NFL is such a pass-happy league. To imagine top receivers go out of the first round, it's hard for me to really sit back and go, yep, there will be two. I had three. I did, To be fair, I did only have three going in the last one, and those three were Jack Smith, the Jigbo, to the Texans, Zay Flowers, the Ravens, and Jordan Addison of the Giants, which we've had Jordan Addison of the Giants back-to-back drafts. It's just weird. It's a weird thing to think about. Like, Mel Kuyper has, what, he has four or three? He has three as well, I believe. He has Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and was Zay Flowers in here? He didn't have Zay Flowers in here. Where do you have Zay Flowers going? Unless I completely missed it. Where's Zay Flowers at? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jalen Hyatt at 55. Like, I have a hard time believing Jalen Hyatt's going to last that long. Okay, I had to completely miss Zay Flowers. Where the hell is he at? Okay, I I, I must be blind or something. Steelers. He has him in the Steelers. Okay. So he has Jackson, the Jigba, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. So the same three we've had, but... It's so weird. It's so weird to try and figure out and try and decipher everything that's going on in this draft. It's such an odd draft. It's such an odd draft. And, like, 
oh, the Falcons, they could take a receiver. At, so they could take another receiver. They could take an edge rusher. They could take a corner. They just trade for Jeff Okuda, so maybe not corner anymore. But like the quarterbacks, I don't know how – I we've had drafts where quarterbacks are gone with the first three picks. I'm not 100% sure how many drafts we've had with quarterbacks going the first four picks. And not only that, four of the three of the four quarterbacks being SEC guys, and four of the five quarterbacks that potentially go in the first round with Hedden Hooker also being there being SEC quarterbacks. That is an insane run of SEC quarterbacks. Like you got Bryce Young from Bama, you got Anthony Richardson from Florida, Will Levis from Kentucky, and Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, and they got C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. So while C.J. Stroud will end the streak of Big Ten quarterbacks not getting drafted in the top ten and could potentially end the streak of quarterbacks not getting drafted first overall since Jeff George got drafted first over by the Colts. But we'll see. We'll see. If, I, if I'm if i picking first and I'm ranking my best quarterbacks, Bryce Young is, my best, is the best quarterback in this draft. If I'm going off what I could build off of, I would draft Anthony Richardson first overall. But I would not be upset with any of the other quarterbacks going first overall. But with all these SEC quarterbacks, I thought it'd be kind of fun to do a, ki- a quiz. It'd be a very fun quiz today. And uh, we've done NFL draft quizzes before. We've done quarterback quizzes before. But with all these quarterbacks getting drafted in the top 10 potentially, and just first round in general being SEC guys, I think it'd be fun to do an SEC-style quiz. And then we're not even mentioning like like Stetson Bennett in there as well, who would also probably get drafted at some point in this draft. I don't know exactly where, but there's another guy that could get drafted. So this is every SEC quarterback that's been drafted since 2000. Am I confident? No, not really. But we'll try our hardest. So it doesn't have what team drafted them. It has their college, though, in the round they were drafted. So we got five minutes. We got 46 quarterbacks. Let's go. Three, two, one, go. So last year we had Matt Corral, good draft in the third round. A&M, we had Kellen Mond, who, which, again, Chris Sims. We'll talk about Chris Sims here in a little bit. But Chris Sims having Kellen Mond as, I think, his fourth best quarterback or third best quarterback in the draft over Justin Fields and Trey Lance is insane. Uh, Florida, second round, that's Kyle Trask. Then we have Alabama first round. That's Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, Matt Jones in here as well. Oh, because Matt Jones was drafted as a wide receiver. So we might get 47 out of 46. Mississippi State seventh round. Who is seventh round quarterback under Mississippi State? Is that, um? oh, crap, he's number seven. What was it? Fitzgerald. Right? I got to make sure I spell Fitzgerald right. It's a hard name to spell. Fitzgerald. Why can't I freaking spell Nick Fitzgerald? This is not Nick Fitzgerald. It has to be. What other quarterbacks have they had? It's not Nick Fitzgerald. Okay, we'll skip that one. Georgia, fifth round. That's Jake Fromm. Jake from State Fromm. Jake Fromm, State Fromm. <laughs> Alabama, first round. That is uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Then we got LSU, first round. That's Joe Burrow. We got Alabama, fourth round. I guess Jay, or Auburn fourth round, sorry. Auburn fourth round? Who's an Auburn quarterback? That's Bo, not Bo Nix. Who's the other Auburn quarterback? It's not Nick Marshall. Who else was at Auburn? Uh, skip that one for now. No, 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 no. Oh, crap. It's the Steel, It's the Raiders quarterback. It's Jarrett Stidham. Stidham, 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 Stidham. Then we got Missouri Drew Locke. Then we got LSU seventh round. Is that Danny Etling? It is Danny Etling. Ole Miss seventh round? Is that Levi Wallace? No, Bo Levi Wallace. I, I was shouldn't uh just Wallace? No. Tennessee fourth round in 2017. That's Nathan Peterman, isn't it? That's the Peterman. Oh, he went to Pitt. He went to Pitt. He did he originally went to Tennessee. Who would have been Tennessee's 
quarterback in 2017. It's not Shieldhouse. Shieldhouse was Illinois. Arkansas, is that Tyler Wilson? Did Tyler Wilson get drafted? He did. Who else was at Arkansas during this time? Um, Brandon Allen. So Brandon Allen's there. Mississippi State, that's Dak Prescott in 2016. Prescott, LSU, sixth round, 2014. There was a weird run of Purdue, like Purdue transfers in the SEC, but I'm not sure it's them. Is that Mettenberg? I don't know how to spell Mettenberg. I remember, do you guys remember Zach Mettenberg? Uh, Zach Mettenberger, sorry. Uh, destroying his leg and then crawling off the field. Uh, that was fun. Fifth round pick, Ellis, or Alabama 2014. Is that Bla- Blake Sims wasn't drafted? <laughs> it's not J- Jake Coker. Is that McElroy? No, Greg McElroy was before that. Oh, it's McCarron. What am I talking about? AJ McCarron. Georgia, fifth round 2014. Is that Aaron Murray? It is Aaron Murray. Then we got AM first round. That's Manziel, obviously. We know that one. I got a minute 40 left. I'm going a little slow here. Texas A&M first round. Who's first round quarterback at the Texas A&M? Tannehill. Then we got 2011 Arkansas. Is that Ryan Mallett? It is Ryan Mallett. Missouri first round. Gabbert. Newton. Tennessee fifth round. Eric Ainge, is he somewhere on here? He is on here somewhere. Oh, crap. Who is, he was number eight. He was number eight for Tennessee. He followed Eric Ainge. Um, whatever, Tebow. Is in there AM fourth round 2009. Is that Gerard Johnson? No. Who would have been AM's quarterback in 2009 if it wasn't Tannehill? Gerard Johnson was there. Matt Stafford is there. LSU seventh round. Don't remember. Kentucky seventh round. Don't remember. Well, actually, was that, would they count Cobb as a quarterback? Because he played some quarterback there. Uh, Russell, 2007. Georgia. No, we're just, okay. I got to hurry up. T. Martin is 2000. Georgia second round 2001. Don't remember. I'm blanking completely. Chris Leak. Matt Flynn got drafted somewhere in there. Georgia seventh round. Alabama third round. Parker Wilson to John Parker Wilson. Brody Croyle. Brody Croyle is drafted in there. Vanderbilt, that's Cutler. The Georgia third round 2005. Don't remember. First round, Auburn. That's Jason Campbell. Manning. Uh, 2001, 2003, Florida, Grossman, LSU, I don't have any first-round quarterbacks left. Um, three, two, one. Okay, I got 33 out of 46. Not terrible. Uh, Quincy Carter, okay, yeah, drafted by the Cowboys. Jesse Palmer, forgot about him completely. Josh Booty, Rohan Davey, no idea. Matt Mock, wow, Matty Mock. <laughs> Not that one, but the his, his dad, I would assume. Matty Mock went to Missouri. David Green, DJ Shockley went to Georgia. Andre Woodson was the guy I was trying to think of for Kentucky, but I had to skip that one. He's number three at Kentucky. Stephen McGee, Stephen McGee. He was right before Gerard Johnson. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, he was before Gerard Johnson. Jonathan Compton at Tennessee. Oh, Josh Dobbs. We brought him up earlier. Chad Kelly, Tommy Stevens. Would not have gotten Tommy Stevens. I should have got Josh Dobbs. We literally talked about him before, and he was one of my favorite quarterbacks in high school. He was my wallpaper on my iPad for a little bit in high school. Uh, school given ice, I, iPad. 72%? Not terrible. Not terrible. Not terrible. But uh, I want to talk about this real quick because I think this is a important topic because it, it divides opinions every single year and he keeps releasing lists. Well, I, I guess we should go with this first while we're on the top of quarterbacks. Don't think you're just because you're drafting the first quarterback in the draft doesn't mean you aced it. 
You got 2009, Matt Stafford, good. Matt Ryan, good, 2008. 07, Demarcus Russell. 06, Vince Young. 05, Alex Smith. 04, Eli Manning. 03, Carson Palmer. David Carr, second, to our 2002. Michael Vick, 01, and Chad Pennington, 2000. Famously, Tom Brady and Chad Pennington's draft. We got Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith's draft. I guess you could go Jay Cutler and Vince Young's draft, unless I'm forgetting somebody else. J.P. Lawson and Eli Manning's draft. Like, you got quarterbacks you could have taken first that would have worked out so much better than who you got in return. But, man, I, I okay, back to what I was originally wanting to talk about. I just saw that on my screenshot, so I had to bring it up a little bit. Chris Sims. We've talked about Chris Sims on the show before. And he, he comes out with these lists every year. So he's got prospect rankings. And I can never actually tell if they're serious or if they're what we like to call the clickbait journalism, where you're more obsessed with getting um, traction, getting talked about, rather than actually making coherent statements. I, I mean, it could all work out in the end. It could all work out again. But having Zach Wilson, number one quarterback in your 2021 draft class, having Kellen Mond in that same draft class above Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Like, I don't know if Kelman's still in the league anymore. So, like, there's stuff like that that just make you kind of scratch your head in here. We didn't really have a problem with this quarterback list. Didn't have a problem with this quarterback list. And they're not, like, insanely bad lists. Like, his wide receiver list was Zay Flowers, one, Jack Smith, the Jigba, two, Quentin Johnston, three, Michael Wilson from Stanford at four, and Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee at five. The only absentee there is Jordan Addison, who I have at number three. Zay Flowers, one. Jack Smith, the Jigba, two. Don't care. You can rotate them however you want. But Jordan Addison, for me, is three. And then I have Jalen Hyatt, four. And Quentin Johnston, five. And you can rotate Quentin Johnston and Jalen Hyatt however you want. I just like Jalen Hyatt's speed. I love that dude so freaking fast. Quentin Johnston's got the more prototypical size. It'll probably work better in blocking situations because Jalen Hyatt is not very big in regards to the weight-wise. So he doesn't really block particularly well. And Michael Wilson's kind of a surger. He was good at Stanford. There were some times where at Stanford you had some questionable times with the receivers and the play calling was freaking ridiculous like 99% of the time. We talked about with Tanner McKee all the year, but Michael Wilson's been surging recently. Jaden Reed from Michigan State's been surging a lot recently. Tank Dell from Houston, who I really like, is surging a lot recently. But that one's not terrible. It's not terrible. And you look at the corners. This one's just a little surprising. It's nothing anything that, like, oh, my God. But Devin Witherspoon, one. DJ Turner, two, who blew away the combine with his 40. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, three. Deontay Banks, four. And Keely Ringo, five. Uh, I don't have Ringo or Turner in the top five. But no, no, I have Turner, not number five. But I don't – Joey Porter Jr. being an absentee is kind of surprising. I know he didn't test particularly well or test as well as what people thought. But I still think we have to give credit to Joey Porter Jr. If you're going Tier 1, Tier 1's Witherspoon and Gonzalez, and then everybody else kind of files in after that. I think if you're looking at Healy Ringo is a traits guy. He's very rusty, or very rusty. I, I always have the trouble trying to describe Keely Ringo. He is inconsistent. That's the best way to describe it. But the potential's there, given his size, and how fast he is given his size, which is just a common occurrence at Georgia. Deontay Banks, for his size as well, moves really, really well. Devin, Tur Devin Witherspoon is just an elite. I don't give a shit what happens to my body. I'm going to ram you every single time. Like, he plays a lot of man coverage. He's not the biggest guy, but that dude's tough as hell. DJ Turner's got wheels for days, and Chris Gonzalez has got the length and ball skills you look for in corners today. Like, I have Devin Witherspoon number one. So I don't disagree with that. 
But Turner, I feel, is a – I don't know. I just feel like having Joey Porter outside the top five is kind of surprising. And you look at running backs, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs at tier one, one and two. I think Bijan's by himself. And then you're looking at Roshan Johnson, who's Bijan running Robinson's backup, who would be getting a lot more discussion if he wasn't Bijan Robinson's backup. And then Sean Tucker from Syracuse and Chase Brown from Illinois at five. Sean Tucker and Chase Brown are both good. Very good running backs. Consistent running backs as well. Like Sean Tucker, we like him a lot from playing at Syracuse. Very consistent. Super consistent running back. And Chase Brown ran really well this year. Really, really well this year. He's the main, the main focal point in Illinois' offense this year. Like, you have Tommy DeVito at quarterback for Illinois, transfer from Stanford. It just didn't look any different from when he was handing the ball to Chase Brown versus Sean Tucker. It didn't look any different. They're both really consistent guys. But I like Tajay Spear a lot from Tulane. I like him a lot. Dwayne McBride from UAB is also very good. I have Roshan Johnson in my top five. Uh, do I? Oh, no, I have, he's just on the outside. But Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, I've liked Zach Charbonnet for a little bit now. He's in my tie. I have him at, number, him at number three. I like Zach Charbonnet a lot. But, like, I have these guys all in the top ten, but I feel like having them in the top five is a little little weird. It's, I, again, I haven't seen any of his, like, reasonings behind this. I'm just seeing the screenshots, which, again – exactly what they want because you're going to go watch the video with drive views you go in upset that your players this this players that and you go in and you're like oh there was his reasoning for that there's no reasoning actually there so you got you got to click on it uh tight ends Dalton Kincaid Sam Laporta Michael Meyer Josh Wiley and uh Darnell Washington uh, I have Kincaid at one I have Kincaid at one but I have Michael Meyer two I have Darnell Washington three just because of his freakish size I think he's an absolute matchup nightmare and Sam Laporta I have at number four but then number five, we have Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. Just a big dude. Big, big dude. Not as big as Darnell Washington, but he's a big dude. Lengthy dude. But Dolan Kincaid's the best receiver in this class. And he's really good at stretching the field. Not maybe the, as good of a or as polished of a run blocker as Michael Meyer. But his peak in regards to his athletic ability and his receiving ability is better of that than Michael Meyer. But I also like Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan. Uh, Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion as well. Brenton Strange from Penn State. Like, there's a lot of good tight ends in this draft. There's a, there's, there's a decent amount of depth at the tight ends. Josh Wiley's good as well. Dennis Allen, or Davis Allen from Clemson. Will Mallory from Miami. There's some good tight ends in this draft class. I Tucker Craft, didn't even mention him, from South Dakota State. Good tight ends here. Good tight ends. And then the one that made me shake my head. The reason we're talking about this today. I saw this yesterday. Top five edge rush prospects. This is where I get the concern. I don't really have a general issue. Like, I don't agree with some of the lists. Like, having uh, Gibbs and Robinson in the same tier and having the likes of Tucker and Brown and Johnson in a top five. I They're fine as running back, like, in top tens. But top five, I think, is a little high. Edge rush is where we got the issue. Edge rush is where we got the issue. And it's not really – I don't have an issue, per se, with Tyree Wilson being number one. I have an issue with that. I think his 86-inch wingspan is absolutely ridiculous. I think his ability to play along the defensive line as well as playing as an outside linebacker works beautifully. I think uh, like the Cardinals would really like him. I think the Falcons, after getting Calais Campbell with that length there, I think he would fit perfectly with them, learn under Calais Campbell for a little bit. I think that'd be perfect for Atlanta. So I have really no issue with him being number one. The problem is Will Anderson, not at number two, three, or four, but at number five and in tier three, so he has three other people above him that are in tier two. 
And for the state of Iowa, you're going to like this. It's Lucas Van Ness, Nolan McDon- Nolan Smith, <laughs> I combine the two, and then Will McDonald. That's very similar to my top five. Pretty much the same thing. Different order. Different order. Miles Murphy, I think, should get a little bit of a mention here. But the, the thing is, and I understand where he's coming from with the three that are above Will Anderson to a certain extent. Like with Lucas Van Ness, the ability, again, to play inside and out. Very powerful guy. Very, very powerful. He's not as fast as Nolan Smith and Will McDonald, but he is powerful. And he ran a great 40 as well. But, again, there's a difference between 40-yard dash speed and football speed. We've talked about it a thousand times on the show. But he's very athletic. Very athletic. His nickname, Hercules. He's got what you're looking for to be an interior, for being a pass rusher in the NFL. He's real, relatively raw in regards to he wasn't a starter at Iowa, but I don't think that's a big deal. Rotational piece. They used him very, very well in spurts at Iowa. Him being in the top five, I have no problem with. Nolan Smith, athletic as hell. Battled some injuries this past year. He's going to be the – he's – I saw something today that said he'll be the lightest top 15 draft pick since Hassan Reddick, and the lightest since then, since like the 90s. He's not very big, but he was the former number one recruit in the nation out of high school, super athletic, ceiling extremely high as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. I don't think he'd be an edge rusher coming off the – coming in the hand of the dirt in a 4-3, but the dude's got a ceiling – insane ceiling and for will mcdonald what i love about will mcdonald i brought this up before will mcdonald getting to the pass rusher and he's not a big guy either he's not that big of a guy either him and nolan smith are not as big as the other guys listed on this list or as big as other, a lot of the other edge rushers in this class but will mcdonald his speed and power is ridiculous you are a guy that is about 6'4 240 235 somewhere around there and you're playing as a an edge rusher not in a not as an outside linebacker, which is what he's listed at right now, or projected to be in the NFL. He was playing in Iowa State's, you know, hybrid defense. I don't really know what you want to call it. It's not a 3-4. It's like a 3-4-ish defense. It's the best way I could describe it. And Will McDonald's playing as a D-end. You don't see D-ends in college or in the NFL in a 3-4-ish defense that are 6'4", 240. Those guys are reserved for guys that are about 6'5", through 270, 280, like bigger dudes, like three techniques. Will McDonald and still got to the pass rush for being as big as he is. Like that takes so much skill. He's the Big 12's all-time leading sack getter. That is damn impressive. That is damn impressive. The problem is, though, again, like we talked about with the ceilings of Jack Smith and Jigba earlier compared to the rest of the receivers in this class, Will Anderson's been better than the other edge rushers in this class. I understand if you want to like ease off the he's the best player in the draft by far camp, but he's got to be in the conversation for best edge rusher. You can't have him at number five. That's just being disrespectful for the sake of being disrespectful. This is a guy that was a Heisman candidate. This is a guy that was in the top five in the nation in sacks. He might have not had a whopping 17 and a half or 17 sacks that he had the season prior. He still managed to get double-digit sacks in the SEC, no less. Nolan Smith is athletically gifted. Lucas Van Ness has got the power and versatility. Will McDonald's got speed and power and athleticism. Tyree Wilson's got the length. But Will Anderson is just a natural getting at natural at getting to the quarterback. Like Will Anderson is a beast. I think it's just. It is a little disrespectful to have him at number five. Let's be disrespectful. At least have him at number two. Because, again, I can understand why people have Tyree Wilson number one. We had Tyree Wilson going first out of the defenders in the Mount Draft 3.0, going to the Cardinals at three. Like, it's not outlandish to say that, given his athletic traits and size and all that different stuff. 
He again, he might not have had the ceiling of a Will Anderson, but the length is there. You can't teach length. And comparing him to Will Anderson or Will McDonald, another Will, and Nolan Smith, their peaks and Will Anderson's peaks. I mean, Will McDonald, again, obviously the Big 12's all time lean seconder. But I don't think they're better than Will Anderson at this point in time. I don't think Lucas Van Ness, being an Iowa fan, I don't think he's better. So this list, I think, is relatively fine. You just got to slide Will Anderson up. I have the number one. My list reads Anderson, Wilson, Ness, Smith, McDonald. And Murphy is in there, too. Because I think Murphy's traits could edge him above the likes of Will McDonald and even Nolan Smith, if, depending on who you ask. Because, again, he can also play on the D-line as well, like a Lucas Van Ness, like a Tyree Wilson. But there's a lot of good edge rushers in this class. So I think that's one. That's the one where we're really talking about of – we're just trying to get a conversation going. Like having Kellen Mond above Justin Fields, that's one of them. Having Will Anderson at number five and not even in tier two, in tier three by himself is kind of just, I think we're kind of edging for something there. But again, I don't have an issue with him being not number one. I don't have an issue with that. You can put him wherever you want in regards to if that's number two, number one or two. But yeah, it's a... It's a fun time. The NFL draft's a fun time. I, I love this time of the year. It's the best time of the year because my teams are rarely ever competing for championships in anything. So it's just nice to have the NFL draft. Gives me something to talk about. Gives me something to do. It's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. And everybody thinks they got an ace in the draft. People are going to bash picks like we talked about Josh Allen getting bashed. And look what happened. Sam Darnold's on his third team. Baker Mayfield's on his fourth team. Josh Allen, worry-free pretty much in Buffalo. Josh Rosen's God knows where. So, yeah, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. But before we go, I saw this on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, which QB is a wild card to enter the elite convo? And this was on Pro Football. Uh, or not Pro Football. Um, Good Morning Football. Uh, Matt Stafford, Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, and Justin Fields. I think it's Justin Fields. Like, Justin Fields almost broke the NFL's all-time single-season rushing record for a quarterback. I think we're talking about ceilings. He's got the highest ceiling out of those guys. I think Jordan Love would be fun to see. It'd be fun to see Jordan Love follow Aaron Rodgers and have the Packers have another Hall of Fame quarterback that they completely waste away <laughs> with. Matt Stafford, I okay, I, I we're still calling it, this a Hall of Famer here, remember? So <laughs> we're talking about wild card to enter the elite convo. He's a Hall of Famer, right? He should not be a wild card there. Kenny Pickett I could see too, but I think Justin Fields is that category. Even without seeing that, I would say Justin Fields is that. But I think that's all I've got for you today. On this Wednesday edition of Logan Blackman Show, plenty of NFL teams have Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker ranked as third best quarterback in the draft class. There's, quote, a gap between the top two and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, and then Hendon Hooker slides between them and Richardson and Levis. So, again, who the hell knows? I don't know what plenty of teams means. I don't know what the, the situation is behind that, but all I know is there's some good quarterbacks in this class. We'll have positional rankings come out for you on Friday because we're going to be two weeks away from the draft, so we'll discuss that on Thursday, released on Friday. So we'll have all that stuff for you, the full rankings. we got 15 players per position ranked and ready to go. I just got to make some finishing touches on there, and we'll be good to go. We'll discuss that all here on the Logan Blackman Show on Friday. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. Make sure, again, you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. And make sure, most importantly, you're following in or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. And I will see you all later. Peace.